0: Yeah, say hello to the bad guy. I my money at a fast oh, pace. Say
1: hello to the bad guy. Welcome to say hello to the bad guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink and smoke and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not gonna cover too many serial killers. It's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. But honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian, just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my guest host for today. So with us first today, we got J-Bone. Hey, everybody. How's it going? All right. And back with us once again, we got DC. What up, doe? It's a historical day for the first time on the Bad Guy podcast. We're going with a four host set back with us by popular demand. We got Bugs
2: proud to be here on this groundbreaking experiment yes <laughs> yes
1: oh, always growing and expanding next level innovating <laughs> now today we're for sure going uh, dark beer heavy after my weeks and weeks of ridicule i finally broke dc the self-proclaimed dark beer draker that's always falling back on the ipas <laughs> today you finally came through with a real dark beer i did i would not show up uh, he badgered
3: me through phone calls, text messages, and he told me, don't come if I didn't have a dark beer. <laughs> so, today I'll be drinking Right Brain, uh, Naughty Girl Stout.
2: Right it's pretty now. delicious. Pretty okay. naughty of you, man. <laughs> 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 but
1: not not only is it dark beer, it's definitely keeping with the theme of the show that as a bunch of gigantic children, like you just put the fucking Rose Ridiculous name on it and that will get us to buy your beer. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. That's kind
4: of the new, it's beer world, like it's real popular and campy so it's all cartoons and like nakedish chicks so
1: i feel like <laughs> between medical marijuana strains mm-hmm. craft beers yes it seems like all the people <laughs> that used to name the race horses have taken over the craft beer in the fucking mar- medical marijuana field i never thought about that but i would i would have to agree with you
3: yeah they they probably you know horse racing not as big as it used to be I remember when I was a kid and they had the one over there in uh, Hazel Park. Yeah, the harness so, yeah, racing. Not yeah. there anymore. So horse race is not that big. Those guys still needed work. Right. I mean, So you're... they started naming beer and
1: marijuana strains. We're bringing them jobs back to America. <laughs> you went with kind of the uh, the granddaddy OG of the dark beers. Yeah, the flagship,
4: if you will, of if you ask anybody, like an old 80-year-old lady, can you name a dark beer, (laughs) anybody could come up with Guinness. But uh, it kind of fit, because naturally you guys were, both of you had, without talking to each other, got dark beer. I got dark beer, so... It is
1: funny that you're usually the one beating the uh beating you, the
4: local drum. I'm trying to go craft and like funny label and all that. And it's like, you know what, man, I feel like something a little more stouty and stern, like just hit you in the past. Pe- and like it was kind of cool that like what is yours?
1: You you had one on deck. Yeah, I got uh it's a local Michigan brewery, shorts brew, and it's called Uber Goober. Again with the with the <laughs> names. Yes. But it's a Imperial oatmeal stout. It was brewed with peanuts, but it's not peanut butter so that's you know a lot of times yeah. people make these peanut butter alcohols and beers mm-hmm. and it's too over the top it's got we'll go super beer snob like those that those aftertones you know <laughs> yeah. the nutty aftertones but it's not a fucking peanut butter beer oh shit so it's pretty good it's got the essence but it's not overpowering
2: and bugs is hard in training so he's going alcohol free i'm uh sticking with my lemonade and a pepsi cup
3: <laughs> keeping it old school nice
1: I'm gonna make sure, just real quick, take the time. Thank uh, Sixfold Sueno for the intro music. So go subscribe to his YouTube channel. While you're subscribing, hit us on your podcast player and follow us on Bad Guy Podcast on Instagram. We we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Elbert Hicks.
3: This ain't negotiation
0: time. This is Scarface final scene. Fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello
3: to my little friend.
1: Albert W. Hicks, a.k.a. Pirate Hicks, a.k.a. William Johnson...
3: I love the fact that his AKA, not the Pirate Hicks, that one's great. But William Johnson, he went from one plain name to a completely different AKA plain, plain name. name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gotta love it.
1: Albert Hicks was born 1820 in Foster, Rhode Island. That was at a time when we didn't know dates or days, just round yeah. roundabouts 1820.
3: Is this the oldest one we've done before? 1820, that's pretty far back.
1: That'd be the oldest to date so far. Okay. We're going with a groundbreaking episode. (laughs) We'll go groundbreaking old dude. We're reaching back in the time machine, baby. His father was a farmer and he had seven sons, 11 kids, seven sons. Albert was the second youngest of the seven sons. His oldest brother, Simon Hicks, was kind of a notorious criminal in the area. He was known for a streak of robberies that ended in him killing a man that he was sentenced and convicted to life for. But he escaped for California and was never seen again. From Rhode Island? From, From Rhode Island. Well, oh, that's the extreme
4: east to west coast. Like in back then... Yeah. That took, like, that was a jaunt. People
3: died going out west, you know? So, exactly. like, how many months did that take to get to Cali? Like, wow. What was even in California back then besides desert? Four Mexican dudes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably just kept going west as far as possible until he's, like, uh, ran out of land.
3: Uh, it's another water. fucking ocean. Put right. the flag down. I'm here. Yep. Well, I, I guess this follows the theme, too, that we have. It's usually a big family. There's usually a criminal before the criminal that we that kind of becomes the the biggest criminal name in the family. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of following a theme. So middle you know. or middle to younger of exactly.
2: the siblings. Like yeah, this is I peeped that as well. Mm-hmm. It's Very yeah. common.
1: You'll be the great one. Like That's the kind of shit that psychiatry is based <laughs> off of. You know, you just pull all these numbers. Like, there must be something with these Gotta big be families. Something. Being the time that it was, he never attended school. And just immediately his whole life went to work on his father's farm where he worked till he was 15 years old. He was always known as an adventurous and a wild kid. Not bad necessarily, but he liked mm-hmm. to fight. He liked to sneak off, but never caused any trouble. He was a good kid, a hard worker. He didn't want to spend the rest of his life farming. He was obsessed with the idea of having money, but it turned out he wasn't obsessed with money the way that we think of. He was never obsessed with accruing money. He was obsessed with the idea of spending money. <laughs> oh. Yeah, indulge his
3: impulses. Yeah, buy all types of stuff like new horses, back holes, or what did what they attach to the horse back then? The plow. The, uh, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the auger. Just, you know, you know what kids did in the 1800s. You know.
1: At the time, he had all these stories of runaways and outlaws and pirates, and he was ex- obsessed with these stories, and he thought that would be his path to to riches, would be living this adventurous outlaw life. So at the age of 15, he decides to go run away and be a criminal, and he goes to Norwich, Connecticut, which was just the no- next closest city at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: I was gonna say like North, like how did you choose that one? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking uh, Norwich, Connecticut, that sounds like a
1: good place to start at, at the time that was <laughs> I'm gonna to go to the major hub of Norwich. Well, it, it was obviously big enough that they had a railroad depot there. So he basically goes there and he's like, you know what I'm gonna go ahead and start this life of crime. So he starts staking shit out and he finds a railroad depot where he realizes they put all these luggage and you know all the goods and stuff. Stakes place out and he waits till night. He breaks in. He skips the luggage and grabs uh, what he what looked like packages of goods. He grabs as many as he could carry and runs off. Turns out it was a bunch of uh, like lace and silks, like material. Which at the time, it's not a terrible haul, honestly. It sounds goofy, but I mean, a good well, is a but good. a tailor
4: or somebody, somebody in that field would want that.
2: The finest silk. I can see that being profitable.
4: uh, There's no Walmart, you know, the ladies that wear fancy crap like that would need that imported from like Asia,
1: India, like something like that. At one point, people fought wars over spice. Exactly. (laughs) So they could for sure use lace and silk. Problem is, it's not an easily movable commodity. Not easy to
4: fence in farmland.
1: <laughs> well, especially when you're a 15-year-old dummy. So so he finds a place that, that'll take it, but he's easily tracked down. They find it. They find their stuff because there's only one other place that it, it could go. And they track him down, and at 15 years old, he was arrested and sentenced to a year and a half in prison for theft.
3: He, he probably went to the place right across the street like, oh, Taylor, they'll take it. <laughs> yes. What he should have done was skip back out of town and then sold it.
1: Yeah. You You would have made a considerable better uh, criminal than Albert Hicks. I'm practicing.
2: (laughs) One thing I do like is most criminals that we discussed already, they just start off and it's like this crazy hit that just puts them at the top of the bar. This dude, he's... From you can only go up from here, so the story can only get better. I like that. The it next started, thing I
4: guarantee, bro, the next thing he steals would be a little cooler.
1: <laughs> what could get cooler than silk and lace? So was he gonna get some
4: suede? Well, no, like there was no Victoria Secrets back then. He just thought, like, man, I got this soft ass material. What do I do?
1: Like, <laughs> he probably would have been better off to have grabbed the luggage. Cause that would have been people's stuff. Yeah, you know, someone it maybe might be not a from pocket the pocket
3: watch in that suit. Why like, was like, I oh. thinking the same thing? A nice pocket yeah, watch. You know? See, more easily
4: fenceable.
1: Like you could sell that to anybody. Well, even anywhere. in the
4: farmland, the the dudes go to church on Sunday. You mm-hmm. People need clothing. You know, like the silk sounded like in packages raw material, not even made into the dress or the skirt or the whatever the fuck in eighteen twenties that you know you would have made of silk.
1: Kind of life changing event for Albert Hicks. Is at this time, there was no juvenile system. So at 15 years old, they just, he just went to prison, prison.
4: Mm, that's tough. That hey has boy, to I tough. killed 20 yeah. men. What'd you do?
1: Like, I stole some fucking silk. Yeah. Lace and silk. <laughs> As a 15-year-old runaway, when he got set to prison, he had real issues with older inmates.
4: Fairly uh, sure. I'm just venturing. I wasn't around in the 1820s, even though I'm a little bit older. But uh, I don't, I think fresh meat meant the same thing that it would mean in today's prisons. like <laughs>
3: well, The exact... 15, boy, you're sleeping <laughs> with me tonight. Get over here. Or you turn into the kid that says, I'm not taking it. So you find a good shank and uh, you end up extending your time because you got to kill somebody. Yeah.
1: He has several escape attempts. The first time he gets away, and he he, he gets out for about six weeks, they catch him. And this time, they put him to work in a quarry with the old school ball and chain. After a while doing that, he uses his hammer and chisel, breaks the chain, escapes again. This time he gets caught. He's on the road to Providence, and some guy kind of spots him. So this guy runs him down. And he decides, I'd rather fight this guy and kill him than go back to prison. I'm not doing that again. So he stops to fight this guy. It was described as a long, terrible fight with the man screaming the whole time. So the guy's yelling for help. They're just having this long duke out in the woods, like passerbys and neighbors and stuff like that ended up coming. And they eventually overpowered Albert Hicks and got him back to prison. They doubled his sentence. He did the rest of his time in solitary confinement. So over a year and a half. Wow. Mm. In
3: certain circumstances, if solitary confinement is a good thing or a bad thing, depend on what was being done to him in prison, if he did have to finish out the rest of his time, that may have been
1: the best thing for him, truthfully, you know? <laughs> That ends a lot of the abuse, but also just as people, you know, we're wired a certain way. So a lot of the experts say that the year and a half in solitary confinement led to flipping a switch in his head that led him a little bit crazier. He was quoted when he was released from solitary confinement and finally got out of prison for serving his time. He's now 18 years old and he swore vengeance against the whole human race.
4: (laughs) That's kind of what we're talking about. When All that you have for entertainment is what's between your own ears, and then a bad day culminates and turns into a bad week to a bad. Now, like if you're, you need outside help, like as far as therapy or other people, friends and family to talk to. If you have no communication with anybody else, you get into a funk. You're the only one that can get you out. You do things like now you're, hey, you know what? Fuck all humans. Because <laughs> what I just turned into is not human, and fuck you guys when I get out.
3: Yeah, I can see how that would be tough. A year and a half, you don't talk to anybody, you don't deal with anybody. You know, do they give you books to read? Is there anything, or is it literally just you sitting in a small cell, just with your thoughts and push Because that's probably all you can and do, where, push-ups and squats. And see how aged
4: we are? We're thinking of a cell. It's probably mm-hmm. more like, what? an outhouse would look like they, a wooden thing. I like do we don't have remember, these concrete right. fucking, uh, he's that's probably true. in like a version of a doghouse, you know? Yeah. He's going to, he's going to screw humanity over when he gets out.
3: I do remember seeing that in movies. I didn't think about that, but might be right. 1820s.
4: I'm quite sure they didn't have air conditioning. So
1: <laughs> Sol- solitary confinement now is rough on prisoners and that's with rules and restrictions and stuff like you're saying. So mm-hmm. yeah, in the 1820 solitary confinement, probably not great. He gets out, he kicks around for a little bit, but for one, he doesn't want to work a regular job, and for two, he did swear vengeance against the human race. So he's got to get to work. So he goes to Providence, Rhode Island, and he picks up work on a whale ship called the Philip Tab. In his first few weeks at sea, he gets in a lot of fights. Sailors are sailors, mm-hmm. and they are human. Yeah, and he didn't want to take no <laughs> shit. So he got in a ton of fights. It was quoted as he had no fear Nor did he care for anyone or anything.
3: Hell of a combination. Somehow being out on the ocean, out at sea, on a pirate ship, chasing after whales and fighting people. I would say he probably was pretty fearless because uh, if I'm getting into a fight on a pirate ship out at sea, uh, I'm probably going to throw the person overboard. So, you know, I'm pretty sure there were a lot of people that got thrown overboard and got to be fearless. You can't take that. I would say um, I wouldn't want to be on his bad side.
4: He went in at 15. He's only 18 right here. Mm -hmm. So to have already gone against your own species race, like you're against humans. So like, that's crazy.
1: He would, he was described at the time as tall and broad shouldered. He was six foot tall, which is a lot bigger then than it is today. Uh, And it said he was a handsome and charismatic guy. Now, even though he got in a lot of fights, he also picked up on all the tricks and the trades of sailing pretty quick. It it seemed like to was a natural sailor based on the fact that he was always down to fight and he turned out to be a pretty good sailor here in the respect of his crew. In the course of his first season of whaling, he instigated two mutinies that both failed, (laughs) but both times others were held responsible and he wasn't suspected, where he realized he had this new skill of kind of manipulating people. So two failed mutinies, but kind of like a check in a column, like, eh, I I can't do this thing, though. I got this trick that people tend to listen to.
3: It didn't work. But if I tell him he said something about his mother, I know he'll get angry. Yes.
1: (laughs) His first season of Whalen ends in the Sandwich Islands. Do you guys know what the Sandwich Islands are? No. Where sandwiches were invented? (laughs) Sandwich Islands is hawaii but this was before you know a state named hawaii and not long after captain cook had discovered it and you know he just drove over to this place found it and was like hey excuse me people look out uh i discovered this this is now the sandwich islands
3: sandwich yeah yeah that's what we're gonna call this no no change the name that you thought it was it's the sandwich islands <laughs> then make a map about it sandwich
2: probably pulled up to the island just hungry after a week of sailing with no food and was like i really need a sandwich somebody got one, one's like all right sandwich island it is its <laughs> what
1: we're going with how so we're rocking. People like, hey, you can't. I live here. You can't name our island Sandwich Islands. Like, well, no, I discovered it. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I live here, Captain Fucking Cook. What are you doing? Nope, nope, no, no, no one was
4: America, here. America. There was native people there too. <laughs> we called that shit
1: America. No one was here. here. At the time, it was called Wahoo. It's now Oahu. They ended up using Wahoo Island in Hawaii. That was kind of their base operation for for quite a while. In between seasons, that's where they go to port, repair kind of everything they do r&r right so when they get to sandwich islands he's now a much different person he's a grown man he's done a considerable amount of time he's fairly well respected and he's got a ton of money and they're like you know what we're done for the season here you are in wahoo Go have a good time. He immediately blows all his money on alcohol and <laughs> prostitutes. Like right R up there.
3: <laughs> well, he went to a good place to do it. I mean, if you're going to blow all your money on booze and prostitutes, what better place than Hawaii? True.
4: <laughs> and there's always that saying, you know, what happens in the Sandwich Islands stays in the Sandwich <laughs> Islands.
1: He enjoyed spending the money and having a good time so much that when he ran out of his money, he wasn't ready to to call it an end. So he started basically committing a string of robberies. He's not very discerning. He was more of a target of opportunities. When I say rob, could be your warehouse. He might break into your house. Or he might just rob you in an alley. Whatever pops up. And however much money he brings in will just kind of determine how much alcohol and prostitutes he gets that day, basically.
3: (laughs) So whatever it was in closest proximity, he's like... "Ah." Any mini, yeah, that's the target.
2: <laughs> and go after that one.
4: Whatever 20 bucks gets me tonight, <laughs> that's where I'm going, because I
1: got 20 bucks tonight.
2: Sad to say, I think I heard I heard you say that before. <laughs> no,
1: nah, nah, nah. <laughs> in between his robbing and partying, he found that he also liked to kill time by fighting natives. Imagine 150
4: The Rocks in grass skirts, like, you know what, you guys are fucked. Start lining up,
3: because I'm beating some ass. Like, what? I mean... <laughs>
4: Pretty brave little motherfucker. Well, big motherfucker we're talking about.
3: Or even your uh you know, you think about your BJ Pins and that video that came out, uh uh where he uh, you know, gets knocked out by the guy and then well, he tells the guy to hit him. Guy hits him, knocks him out. He wakes up Goes back to the bar, finds the guy, beats him up, and chokes him out. Who does that except for a Hawaiian? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you knocked me out. I'm coming to find you back at the bar, have a drink, then I'm gonna knock you out. That's how you do it. That's how the, that's their style, man.
1: They're tough, and they're Sandwich Island tough. <laughs> He, he kicks up so much dust and causes so much trouble that eventually he gets arrested and locked up, and he has to spend the rest of the off-season there until they're ready to go back out whaling, and then the captain comes back and picks him up. So, it, honestly, it sounds a lot like kind of how the military operates. Sounds like Rambo of 1820s.
4: <laughs> Colonel Troutman pulls up on the fucking whale ship, like, hey, man, I need my boy out. <laughs> Release that animal.
1: Okay. As I was doing research, this happened, and then I had to start double-checking to see if I was deja vuing. Basically, he does the exact same thing for the next three seasons. So <laughs> instead of getting into the due detail, he goes out whaling for a season. They come back to Wahoo, and he parties, steals shit, and fights. Until they lock him up, and he spends the time there until, until the it's season ti- started. By. Until it's whaling time, and then they would have to. So the season
4: directly after this, the cap just pulls up, open up the cell, him back in. Give him, you know,
3: I'll be back for him later.
4: Give him fourteen <laughs> jugs of rum and two hookers, and when that's gone, yeah, just leave him there till I pick him up next year.
1: See you next year, guys. He eventually, over time, learns kind of all the sailing skills. You know, he's kind of a jack of all trades, but his specialty was carpentry, which when you're on wooden boats, is a huge skill. So wooden wood- pegs. Well, he may, he makes friends with this guy that was he was the boat steerer. So they hit it off, and he starts making plans, and he's like, well, you know, I'm pretty tough, and I remember I used to have this trick where I could kind of cause a mutiny. So what do you think about trying to steal this boat? <laughs> I need a guy to steer for me, bro. You my guy? <laughs> my plan is to steal this boat, and I can fix it, mm-hmm. but I can't steer it. can't steer it. This guy says he's down. So they start trying to recruit the crew to start a mutiny. They got kind of a soft crew, and they're not really down. Not only are they not down, they kind of work gets back to the captain that these two are planning a mutiny. The captain and the first mate come and confront elbert and the boat steerer about this plan mutiny and they beat the shit out of them <laughs> and then the rest of the the officer's crew they tie them up throw them below deck and lock them in now the good thing was the boat crew they were too soft which Albert hicks has referred to him as cowards but at least they were consistent because they were too cowardly to mutiny against the officers but once they took over the boat they were also too cowardly to fight back <laughs>
4: So they're just kind of like, we work for you now, Albert, (laughs) we'll negotiate pay later.
1: Now they got the boat and they got a crew, him and the boat steered aside, we got to kill all the officers. But then they realized captain of this crew was pretty smart because they did all the navigation in house all the crew kind of had specific details so the guy could steer the boat, but nobody could really navigate. So they ended up lost at sea. (laughs) (laughs) So eventually Albert's got to go back to the captains and they work out a deal where they're like, okay, we're going to let you guys go as long as there's no repercussions for having tried to steal the boat and kill you guys and shit.
3: I know we tried to kill you. I know that. This is not the time or the place for us to kind of argue semantics. Let's <laughs> go ahead and get us back home safely. Because <laughs> I could still kill you or
4: you can accept my position that I'm offering.
1: <laughs> they they agree and they, un- they let them out and they untie them and the captains and the offers beat the shit out of Albert and his buddy <laughs> and they chain them up and they lock them below deck and they go back to Wahoo and they throw them off the boat. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and they lock him in the cage until next whaling season.
1: So you've heard this story before, obviously. He, he doesn't have a captain that's coming back for him, and he ends up back in Oahu jail eventually. No, until there was a Dutch captain that ran a ship called the Villa de Pole, who was also it was a whaleboat captain. He was short-staffed on guys and was looking for experienced sailors and whalers which Albert hicks was so this guy goes and negotiates with the local prison and commissions Albert hicks and pays his fines and gets him out of prison to come and work on his boat and they take sea for a whaling season in california
3: nice nice you have to figure it out. if you you know dock in on an island and you need an extra man and you're short and there's a guy there on the island it's like yeah i do that i used to do that all the time you have to guess that he's pretty much a runaway criminal or something and <laughs> And then when you find out you have to talk to the prisons <laughs> and pay some money, you kind of know what you're getting, but you kind of need a person, so you know you kind of weigh your options.
4: When there's consistency there, <clears throat> like the jail's telling him, "Look, there's a other captain, dropped him off here four seasons in a row. <laughs> he get drunk, fuck all these hoes, and then we lock him up." So, but he always goes back out to sea. He does come mm-hmm. here and act a fool, but he really only comes here in the off season to get drunk and get locked up. So <laughs> right. Arr, I'll take him. throw him on me. Ship.
1: Now they're, they're heading to California on another whale boat. And he starts thinking, I could probably take this ship. He ends up, you know, kind of talking around the crew and he finds out there's only one Amer one other American. The whole ship is Dutch. There's one American. He's the second mate. He's an American guy from Boston. His name was Tom Stone. He was second mate because of his skill as a sailor not because of his quality as a person (laughs) he and he actually thought albert hicks had a good idea and he was really down except he thought the fact that they were the only two americans and everybody was dutch would play against them so they're like well that's a good idea but not on this boat so as soon as the whaling season was done and they docked in california they got decommissioned from the boat and started their own operation kind of in california Albert Hicks and Tom Stone, once they get dropped off in California, they spend the next few years kind of robbing their way up and down the California coast. And what they would do, they would rob a store or a house or a person on the street. But then anytime they could find a port city, they were good enough sailors that they could always get picked up on a boat. Deckhands and stuff. Their specialties. Now, you've seen at the beginning his name was Pirate Hicks. Mm Mm-hmm. Pirate technically just means crimes that you commit at the on the high sea. Yeah. So we have an idea of what piracy means. He was actually what's called a mutineer. So it was a style, <laughs> but that's what he tended to do. Is so him and Tom Stone, they would go to port, find someone that's going in the direction they're going. Sometimes they would beat them up, lock them up. Sometimes just at night, they would just steal whatever they could. And steal a boat and take off and just go wherever to... You know, they would use it as kind of like catching an Uber. (laughs) You know, they catch a boat to wherever they're going to go, sneak off. Larger boats, they could take the crew by themselves. Bigger boats. You, You know what I mean? Yeah. They must have ran into
3: a lot of what Albert would call cowards, because had it been my boat, they would have been thrown. I'm not taking you into any port. You're coming up missing
1: out in yeah. this ocean. Yeah. You're going overboard. Well, <laughs> well, no, normally what they would do when they mutiny, they would, they would take on these bigger boats like this. Mm-hmm. They had what's called a yawl, which was a smaller boat Mm -hmm. that they could get in. So they would go, once they would get out there, they would either do the mutiny, they would either lock everybody up, and they would escape in these small boats, is what Uh, they started doing. So they wouldn't take the whole ship. They would get into the small boat and take off. At some point, they end up, in 1849, they end up in San Francisco. San Francisco in 1849 was... The, the gold rush.
3: So this was before rice a <laughs> <laughs> yes,
4: Before the Golden Gate Bridge, before Alcatraz, before it all.
1: Well, there was still a San Francisco treat, but it was gold, <laughs> not <Yeah>. rice. <laughs> Little nuggets of goodness. The gold miners would get what's was called a claim. They had a claim to work an area. Mm-hmm. They would hop from claim to claim, scout it out, and they would rotate between... Sometimes they would just run up and rob the people. Sometimes they would wait till they were sleeping, scout it out, and steal some stuff. Sometimes they would just loot it, strong arm it, whatever it took. But they kind of just went around San Francisco from claim to claim, stealing all these miners' gold. They were making a fucking killing but they never kept any of their money. So they would steal shitloads of gold. Like, So these people would be out for a long time mm-hmm. mining this gold. They would just show up, deal it all, bounce, and blow it in a week. Booze and hookers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing he said he loved about California, he said every place that had a drink had a Monte Carlo table. So he picked up gambling as a trade at this. So now he's spending money even faster because now he's gambling. So he's spending money at a record clip.
3: Makes sense they would have that out in California too because, I mean, you figure it follows the trend of even today, if you get Industry that starts to boom, you'll get a lot of other entertainment type of things to support it. Oh, yeah. So if I know you're finding gold out there, of course I'm going to have a place for you to spend it.
1: Uncle get it right back to me. Right the <laughs> <laughs> What's the the old company store theory, right? Mm-hmm. Like you give them the money, but you don't want them to leave with the money when we wanted to spend it here spend too. Give it right back. This is wild, wild west at the time. And even though law wasn't able to do much about them, these crazy minor folk didn't take to that very well. So they started arming themselves and started chasing them down with posses. They were kind of running out of money and the heat was so bad, they went to a local port and they found a ship that matched exactly what they were looking for because for one... So it was a Spanish brig called the Josephine, and it was going to Valparaiso, Mexico, and it had uh, an inexperienced crew. So it was kind of their perfect mix. They jump on board, and once they get into Mexican territories, they do their thing. Well, this time, the crew, similarly, were cowards. Mm -hmm. So they caught all the officers, tied them up. They put them in the boats and dropped them at sea, let them float off. Then they made all the crew get in boats. And once they had the boat to themselves, they took their time so that they could loot everything, <laughs> threw it in their boat, burned the boat, and just paddled into Mexico. Well, when they got to Mexico, it turned out the ship was carrying all gold dust from San Francisco and then Spanish doubloons, and they end up with $100,000. Wow. it's like a million so bucks So, yeah, what today? was that? That might be more than that. I, th- I would say it's probably got to yeah. be... Closer to, I don't know, maybe ten. I'm, I didn't look it up at all. I'm just doing guess math. A I lot feel of,
2: a lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah.
1: We're also not in New York. We're in Valaprijo, Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In
3: 1820. Yeah, so... Um, they bought a couple towns. They probably said, you know, just brought a couple brothels themselves. Like, we're yeah. closing this down. We're the only people, but we need all the ladies to stay, all the alcohol to keep flowing, but they only serve us. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> they decided, you know, the Robin all the time, it's a lot. So they bought a hotel and a bowling alley. And a brothel. <laughs>
2: That I'm was, sure that was, that was in the hotel. The
1: whole that's, hotel. That's room service. They weren't serving no food. Okay, the hotel and the bowling alley are bringing in tons of money. And they really could have just lived a straight life with their hotel and bowling alley forever. But mm-hmm. what's the fun in that? Yeah, right. who wants to do that? Albert Hicks always has this itch to where he would see all these travelers coming in and he could just kind of pinpoint who's got what. He would steal from his, you know, the people that stay at his hotel eventually he decided he would get the records because staying at the hotel and spy him out to find out who was the richest people and then they would just wait on the trail and rob them when they left town
4: <laughs> like hey you're the guy from behind the desk at the motor <laughs> i know pass it strong box pass it over
1: they were running their legal operation for 18 months but they just couldn't stop doing stupid shit one day they're out and they're robbing a family that just left the guy starts getting mouthy and it turns into a shootout and they kill a guy and his wife leaving the hotel or the or the town and and they ended up having to flee the area, you know, from law enforcement. Could you
3: imagine that today? Like, let's say a, a person that has a hotel or a casino or something, they're a multimillionaire. And they're the ones that just going around. Yeah. <laughs> you, you go and stay at a really nice hotel, you know, whatever a nice hotel costs you're paying a you, paying $500 a mile a night. <laughs> and then, yeah, you have all your stuff. And then as you're leaving in your nice car, you get about five <laughs> miles away <laughs> and the guy that owns the hotel robs you? L- Lorenzo Fratita <laughs> is carjacking right. me? Right. <laughs> Wait. Wait a minute, I just saw you at the Palms. No, you didn't. Hand it over. Aren't you rich? <laughs> Why are you carjacking me, dude? For fun. Hand over the Hublot. But you have one on right now. Oh, shut up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, you know how boring being legally rich is? <laughs>
3: That's hilarious.
1: So, they flee from Mexico, but they don't know the area too well, and they get lost, but they end up come across a Mexican silver mine. So, they used to have these mule trains. Basically, l- like a mini, a mini train, just with, instead of a fucking Coal engine, you got a donkey at the front. So they would just kind of set up along the mule trains. The conductors would come through after killing a family. He kind of realized he wasn't too opposed to killing. And he's like, dude, this crime shit's a lot easier when you kill people.
3: That's easy. All this time I've been tying people up, that's so tiresome. Just kill them.
4: Wasting all my small dingy boats <laughs> on the ships. Like I'm just throwing them into the sharks, man. Keeping it all.
1: So they would rob the mule trains, kill the conductor, take the silver. They did that until they eventually made enough money in silver so that for the first time they traveled on a boat as a passenger. They considered boarding as deckhands, but the problem was when you're a deckhand, you have a limited luggage uh. and they had so much money in silver They took a boat from the Mexico area down to Brazil, where for the first time, they didn't rob rob and fight and crime. They (laughs) legitimately just went to Brazil, spent all their money, partied there for, it seems like about a year and a half, but it's the only country or place that they went to all over the world where they didn't go there and cause a bunch of trouble. Outside of the normal drinking. drunken drunk
4: and ruckus. Right. But they're like, hey man, these guys all know that (laughs) jujitsu shit, man. We ain't fucking these
1: guys up. (laughs) We're
4: just going to drink and fuck their women.
1: Once they run out of their money in Brazil, they decide they got to head back to the Americas area. Like they're getting further and further away. They're white dudes. They really stand out. So in Brazil, they catch a boat that was heading long ways back to the Gulf side of America. So they get on the boat. This was a ship called the At admiral granford and these motherfuckers just can't really help themselves because when they got on this boat this was a boat where the captain was kind of a prick so it was already a pretty ruckus crew and that's his specialty is riling up a bunch of dudes <laughs> so him and tom stone get on this boat and when they get 25 miles out belize they organize a mutiny they lock all the fucking officers downstairs and then when they start looking at the boats they realize between the amount of treasure they got and the amount of crew members that helped them they only have enough boats for themselves everybody's gotta go (laughs) not for themselves for themselves and the mutiners okay because normally it was him and another dude Mm -hmm. now he's got this whole crew of dudes that helped him out and they're splitting up the treasure and they don't have any extra boats they just left the officers tied up below the deck took the boats out Burned the ship and left. I don't know which is worse at that
3: point. Tied up on this boat
1: that's burning
3: or just throwing me to the sharks and let's get
1: this thing over with. Which one, which one would you prefer? Well, okay. So with the burning, cause you're probably not going to get ate by sharks. You're probably going to tread water for 28 hours. Dehydrate. Bite your lip really hard
3: and start bleeding. And then they'll come. You could try.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bite off your own hand just to, please come get please me Mr. Shark. Get... <laughs> I don't know, man. Burning to death? I don't. Well, in, the, in that
4: fun, big wooden bad. box, you guys would probably die of uh, smoke inhalation. So then your body getting ate by a shark afterwards, you wouldn't drown or get ate by a shark alive. Like if you burned the boat, because like this is the boat. We're in the hall right now, you know. You could actually burn to death, though, if the smoke don't get you. That would suck. Anyway, yeah.
2: on land, any
4: any time you got to burn to death, like
2: but. out of all outcomes, it's going to be very painful and gruesome. So, <laughs> <not my> <laughs> I just just rather not hang out with Albert Hicks. <laughs> yes.
3: I right. so, pick none.
1: <laughs> from there, once they land in Belize, they just go on a, a spree of these mutiny trips where they would just take a boat to one spot, get out to sea, kill everybody, rob it. Well, not always kill everybody, but they rob the boat. Like I said, depending on the size of the boat and the situation, they would mm-hmm. rob it. And they went from the Caribbean to New Orleans to West Africa. While they're kind of on this globe-trotting adventure and they're going from spot to spot, at one point they, they run into a crew it was a captain that was doing what was called Shanghaiing, which is you catch either people that were either too drunk and didn't know, or you would tell them that you're just looking for legitimate sailors. And once you get them out there, you would tell them, you could tell them either just work or swim. There's nothing they could do about it. Elbert Hicks and Tom Stone, they found a, a boat that looks like a good mark, and they go out to do their mutiny thing. And when they get out there, it turns out is a Shanghai captain. The captain pulls the crew together and tells them. They're not really out to do whaling that they're going to go out on a pirate ship.
4: Albert's like, whoa, wait, say, say that again. Cause, uh, that was my plan. Wait,
2: did like, you just swindle me when I was trying to <laughs> swindle you?
4: We were going to kill you and take this boat for the purpose solely of pirating. But like I say, man, you guys are down shit. Let's we're do planning it. on
2: tying you down and burning your boat.
1: <laughs> right, you talk about, uh, you're fucking with the right one. Like. That's the the stepbrothers. Did we just become best friends? Exactly, Yo. <laughs> Like, hey, we're not really go. We're not out doing some whaleboat. We're about to be a pirate. Like, holy shit, we were here to pirate you. Right. Do you guys want to build some bunk beds? <laughs>
4: we could do so many activities. <laughs> we were thinking boats and hoes when we came out here, bro. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs>
3: That's the favorite. That's the that's the
1: best song for this. For this, say <laughs> boats and hose. <laughs> that's El- Albert Hicks' motto before it was cool. Yes. He was living the boats and hoes He life. was the
2: original. <laughs> I'm I'm upset it took us that long to make that reference. <laughs> that, right, that, we <laughs> should have boats and, and hose. Right, Well, in the grand true. scheme
4: of this story, that's how true. what were the odds? That shit was prevalent back then, went on. What was the odds that these two that had a, a thing where we just fucking Shanghai slash give these guys some Bill Cosmopolitans and fucking take them out to sea? They did that to
1: us? Dreams come true, baby. <laughs> we want a pirate. So Tom Stone and Albert Hicks spent a year out at sea with these guys just pirating on a boat that they, they got on to rob.
3: The best part of that also is more than likely these pirate guys were into all the same things. So they probably robbed people you Guys like rum and liquor too. Exactly. Holy shit! Bulls and hookers. It was. It was. You know, way like, before the movie Jaws,
4: like they already said, dude, we're such a tight family, we're gonna need a bigger boat.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's like uh, just finding the best possible company to work for is like, you know, they trick you, like you go in, you like, hey, I'm gonna trick them, think I'm, they think I'm gonna do all this stuff, and I'm really not gonna do anything, and they come in like, you know, we're really not looking for people to do anything. This whole thing is a front, and uh, we just want to pay you to have a face. You, really? you'll pay me for that i'm in love because <laughs> i would have
4: pirated for free if that you love what you're doing hard. you're never working all right oh,
2: season's over We're done pirating it's been real it's been fun hasn't been really fun smell you <laughs> hicks is just like no no please don't go but let's no, just let's just pirate
4: a little more i don't even want to be locked up this off season
1: yeah. they eventually ended up in london and while in london Albert and Tom parted ways, and Albert met a lady that he loved and got married, and in 1857, they returned to New York.
3: Hmm. Oh, did it say, did they have a falling out? Or...
1: At the end, when Albert Hicks is dying and he is explaining it, he he actually even said at one point that he hopes that Tom Stone found a, a better life to live than the, the basically scoundrel life they were living. So, but it was th- so fun. It doesn't seem like there was any hard times. It, it just legitimately seems like. At some point, they just robbed enough places and bounced around enough that they said, all right, I guess we'll call that a career. It could have easily been. I mean, he did get married. So maybe he said, you know what? I'm just going to do this different thing. That'll put a hamper on your drinking and hookering, you know, like.
3: I guess everybody has to retire at some point or at least move on to another company. He
4: chose know. the
1: human ball and chain.
4: I mean, it's, <laughs>
1: it's on him. Well, we're going to go ahead. We're going to take us a, a quick smoke break, refresh our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute.
0: And weather the storm Storm like the beach in Germany I'ma ring me a little My blood
1: Thanks for listening just real quick want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app go to apple itunes give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and we'll read it on the show if you have any questions comments or a guy that you would recommend we cover you can email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com we also want to thank Sixfo sueno for letting us use his music in the intro you can subscribe to him on youtube and also a friend of the show cancer He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at EyesbleedDefiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song "Blood" from his album *Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles*. Now back to the show. All right, and we're back. You cr- you cracked one of those Uber Goobers, right? What do you think?
3: I did. It's pretty good. I would describe it more, um, and I'm not sure exactly what kind it is, but the flavor is kind of like a. It does have a slight nutty flavor, but it's more like a brown ale. That's what it tastes like to me. More like, like a one brown of those honey ale. brown ales. Similar to that, but uh, the 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 um, you do taste a little bit of the peanut flavor, but it's really mild.
1: Yeah, like it's I said, really that's mild. that's why I like that. You could taste it. it's peanut mm-hmm. peanut brewed, but it's mm-hmm. not. Peanut, peanut butter beer exactly yeah Yep. Yeah. all right when we left off him and tom stone went their separate ways he got married came back to new york decided he was gonna take his talents back to new york full circle because this these guys got some miles on them they definitely globe
4: trotted here so to to end up back in new york you know then we start off in rhode island or rhode mm-hmm. island east coast yep. which so that's that that new england thing that was one big you know one big forest with a couple islands which <laughs> it still is today but now we <laughs> broke it up with a you know how you look at a map mm-hmm. that shit don't look. there's no lines defining states we just, damn it there's not we just fucking shit. said, hey, you know what? <laughs> we traded in Michigan. We we gave Ohio Toledo for the whole fucking UP. <laughs> <laughs> what? know, back then, because how these guys are traveling, mm-hmm. just a little history note, like everything came up from the east coast, like through the Erie Canal to, mm-hmm. to Toledo was the port city. Mm-hmm. So we did that trade, then fucking trains and trucks and shit came along. They're like, man, Wisconsin's got screwed. Fuck that. Like, man, they got the whole UP (laughs) for Toledo,
1: for shitty ass Toledo. (laughs) Now, when he lands in New York, he lives and starts operating out of the Fourth Ward, which is just outside of the Five Points area. And this is right about the time. So this is 1857. It's right around... Tammany Hall, and, yeah, Tammany yeah. Hall. You got the fucking. This is their time. the The Dead Rabbits, the, the start of gangs in New York, as as you will. But he's also a thirty seven year old dude. You know what I mean? That's been doing this a long time. Now his wife never knew. His his wife always just knew him to be a successful sailor. He has always sold himself as a a whale hunter and like a logistics guy, you know, Mm -hmm. like a smart transporter. So his wife seemed like a nice lady and that always believed he was just, you know, at that time he leaves and goes to work. He works on a boat. He comes back with a bunch of money. Like, oh yeah. You know, you don't think he's about being a Shanghai pirate on the scene. Hardworking guy. So he goes back to New York with her and he thinks about going straight. But then when he arrives in New York, we got a picture here. New York was a giant port city. As soon as he lands, he's foaming at the mouth. All like, the shit I could steal here, <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, he, he pulls up, ready to be a good guy, and he shows. And it's like putting a kid in a candy store. Like, oh fuck, dude, there's no way I'm going to go straight here.
3: Salivating.
4: Did I have a good weekend? Oh boy, <laughs> did
1: I? Now, even though he operated out of the fourth word, he hung out in the, the five points a lot. People always looked at him as he was a gangster that was so vicious that he hung out in gang areas, but without a gang, Mm -hmm. like he never got messed with much, but he never operated with any of the five point gangs because at that point they were always fighting over. It was, it was turf political opinions. It was religious beliefs. They were fighting kind of like modern day street gangs, Mm -hmm. except it was like 40 year old men. In these street gangs. <laughs> like, seriously, like fighting over a piece of turf or because, you know, uh, we hate Catholics and shit mm-hmm. like that. They would You know, and they'd all just show up and stab each other in the middle of the street and shit.
4: These guys, our guys of our story were pretty like, well, fuck organized religion neighborhoods. And I just want your guys in suitcases. So you guys have your <laughs> own external battles. I just, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So... He, he wasn't interested in doing, he would do any crime, mm-hmm. but his only interest was him was the money, the money, how he much my bank account's going to
3: grow today, folks. Plus you have to figure he didn't care about turf. This man has been all over the world. He'll steal from yeah. anyone, <laughs> anywhere, anytime.
4: And I'm not cracking <laughs> heads to get this guy mayor because in a couple of weeks I'll be sailing to fucking Belize to get me some fucking whatever was, they were pretty diverse that way. They, they did gold, silver, cash
1: well now what was cool about new york at this time is it's kind of like okay like take a long haul trucker right mm-hmm. this was like him going from long haul trucking to local routes because now like you're talking about going to belize what he used to do now you get these routes that they're going from new york up and down the east coast mm-hmm. you would go out for a week at a time as opposed to like a year at a time you well, know but
4: goods are always coming to you like oh yeah brew liquor money uh you know lumber like you can hit a barge and just you know whatever's on
3: there like i would think with the shorter runs though that work would travel faster you're more likely to get in more trouble whereas when you're doing like these you know international boats uh, you know it's it's harder to get caught
4: look at the picture there no no skyscrapers but that's like kind of how crowded new york is today so there's already even back then they were corrupt but there's a big irish police force here already they Mm -hmm. they're knocking off tobacco carts and stuff themselves that's how them corrupt (laughs) politicians and cops were back then so like they want me
1: and your pirate ass right Mm -hmm. out the way Mm -hmm. well and it's not only is it more local it's more uh metropolitan too Mm -hmm. these are more cities you 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 were in fucking like robbing mule trains in mexico (laughs) this is fucking new york city this is a lot different (laughs) what he never liked to do was rob locally so he never liked to rob shit now he would do whatever he had to do Mm. whenever he had to do it but what he preferred to do was catch stuff going out and then rob them so he you know catch work on a dock and then go up to you know rhode island and then rob the boat And then, you know, go to Connecticut and then catch a boat back. Like he would just kind of rob his way up and down. Or if money was real tight, he would just legitimately go work a boat to go to Virginia, go rob rob three places and then, you know, catch a (laughs) boat back. And that's basically how he just made his living. Just kind of robbing his way, pirating around, mutineering. And until 1959, him and his wife had a kid and he decided... He wanted to uh, kind of hit a couple big, couple more big licks. What well, he never did, like he always liked to blow his money. He decided he wanted to save his money, so he wanted to try and find just a couple big licks and get out. College funds. Right. What he was looking for, the two businesses were fruit and oysters. Most other stuff could be preserved, but fruit and oysters were very um, disposable. Well, disposable. perishable. Yeah, yeah they do it, eat it now. Right. It won't be any good. So it was all cash operations. So anybody that was dealing in fruits or oysters had to have a lot of cash on hand. So it was quick deals. He was looking for someone that was dealing with that. And he was looking for a smaller crew. He's now operating by himself. And he didn't want to get into something too, you know, he's 40. You know what I mean? He's not looking to push something too crazy. He finds like the perfect mark as a deckhand on an oyster sloop called the A.E. Johnson. They would... Take large amounts of cash down to Virginia, buy a bunch of oysters, bring them back. And that was kind of the the operation. So it was a perfect fit. And it was a smaller boat. So it was ran by a captain and two brothers. Mm -hmm. And they were looking for a fourth guy. So we thought this is perfect. You know, one dude, two kids, I'm good to go. A slope. This is a much smaller boat. You seen earlier the big boil boats we're talking about? Yes. This is a smaller operation we're working with high cash so they get out there and what he decides to do at first is just do a real good job and he shows this guy how sweet he is you know and he's doing the carpentry and he's fixing the boat and one of the specific things the captain said like he liked how much he had an eye for keeping things clean and neat like Mm -hmm. he would just clean the boat and fix everything and this guy's a real good sailor the captain was name was george h burr and the two brothers were oliver and smith watts now once he kind of got their attention one day he said he could kind of steer the boat well, everybody went to bed. So <laughs> the captain and the younger brother, Smith, go to bed. And then Oliver was out to help with the rigging and he was steering the boat. Now, Oliver was the bigger of the two brothers mm-hmm. and he's a young guy. So he finds an ax on the deck of the boat and he catches Oliver not paying attention. And he comes up behind him and cracks him in the head with the, with the ax.
3: Oh.
1: And Oliver was apparently tough as shit and tried to turn around to fight him. And he had to crack him in the head with the ax a second time. Oh. And dropped him. But now it caused... There was a lot more noise than he thought. He Bo-boom-boom. thought, he was, Yeah, you know, they're just up there fighting around a little bit. He's trying to move away the body in case something happens. And his younger brother, Smith, comes out to see what's happening. And stuck his head out the window. And he chopped his head off with the axe. The problem was... He chopped it. The guy's head fell off. The body, the body fell, fell back, back in. into the boat. Whatever. Which made a whole bunch yeah. of noise. <laughs> Albert Hicks... Now he's killed both of the Watts brothers and has to go down to the captain's quarters, which he was planning to do, but he's planning on the captain being sleeping, right. So he goes in there and the captain is now completely up and wanting to go find out what's going on on his boat. The captain was a tall, strong man, and the ensuing fight lasted a long while. At one point, Elbert Hicks admitted that Burr almost strangled him to death until he was able to crack him in the head with, with the axe. The problem with axe fights is they're typically very bloody. Yes. You know, yeah. so he just been hacking bodies all over his boat in the middle of nowhere with his axe. Right. And he has this long drawn out fight with his captain, almost strangles to death, finally hacks him up with a fucking axe, goes drag the bodies back upstairs. Now he's fucking beat and he's got to go loot his boat and he goes back upstairs. And their first brother, Oliver, was up walking around on the boat. He testified that he thought it was a ghost. He said, there's no way this guy is up, (laughs) (laughs) but Oliver was up. So he ran and knocked him off the boat and the guy grabbed onto the side of the boat and he hit his hand with the Mm ax and chopped off his fingers Uh and the guy fell into the ocean. So he just took the ax, threw it in the ocean, took the head and both bodies, threw them all in the ocean. There's still got to be blood all over this fucking vessel by now. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it was axe. We when we talk about murderers, we say axe murderer for a reason, right? (laughs) Because it's a fucking vicious way to kill a person. Yeah, he just axe murdered three people. He steals all the cash and treasure, everything he could. Robs them, gets the boat. Now, because they were local to the East Coast, one thing he would do at sea is he could burn the boats. Mm-hmm. If you burn a boat at sea, nobody's going to see it anyway, so it doesn't right. really matter. If you burn a boat off these East Coasts, somebody's going to pick and it organize up.
4: Organize a rescue. Right,
1: and, and people are going to go out there, so you can't burn it. What he did was he went to the bottom and he would drill holes through the through the deck Trying of the to boat sink. to try and sink it. So he went into the bottom. Uh, drilled a bunch of holes sank the boat loaded up everything he robbed from the boat jumped onto y'all and bounced out left the boat out to sea now the a.e. johnson ends up floating unattended off the coast of new york all by itself eventually crashing into another boat which breaks all the mast and the rigging so it's just kind of like like a car idling and it was called the ghost ship of new york well, at the time, there's not a lot going on. You don't have TV. So people thought it was just like, you didn't see stuff like that. It's yeah. just this odd ghost ship that's just out idling outside of New York Harbor and is out there for a while, just smashing into boats and shit. All full of blood. So <laughs> they send out the, like a little police squad. Cause they don't have a coast guard and shit like that. So mm-hmm. now you got to find like, I don't know. Where's the cop? I don't know. <laughs> fuck. I need a sea posse. <laughs> Who's down? Yeah. We're going to have to deputize some people to go fucking. So they tow in this boat. All they find is fucking blood everywhere and four fingers. <laughs> oh, the fingers were still there, <laughs> so hanging <laughs> on to the side like. <laughs> well, they were somewhere on the boat, so he cut them off. And didn't think about it—he threw away the axe, he threw away the head, he threw away the bodies, mm-hmm. he didn't throw away the fingers. So now you got this creepy New York ghost boat. Mm -hmm. That's just floating around, crashing into shit. And then it's a fucking, you know, it's like a Friday the 13th. You know, it's just blood everywhere Mm -hmm. and fucking fingers. And they couldn't figure it out. Detectiving at the time. Like, you could actually hire a detective. Like, so say a detective was investigating you. You could, like, hire the detective yourself. And just be like, well, go detect that I didn't do it. This was kind of the first case where the detectives, like, did serious work. The first thing that they realized, they found a manifesto. They found the captain's journal. So they read all about the crew. Then they knew there was supposed to be four guys, a guy named Willie Johnson, who's the only guy that couldn't be accounted for that nobody heard of, and that the boat was missing. Mm -hmm. So the first thing they do is they send word all up and down the ports as fast as they can, we're looking for a missing boat, Mm -hmm. right? A kid says that he had spotted a boat in Staten Island. They found a boat in the bushes, and it was called great detective work, especially for the time, since it was difficult, and it was like a chain where... One kid ran into a guy that seen him on the street for one. Albert Hicks was carrying around a big sea bag <laughs> and he was stopping at every bar and buying drinks and like buying drinks for everybody and partying. So like, it's not like as where he was going, nobody could find him. Well, And he was tall for the time. He used, he wore what they called like a monkey coat, like a suit jacket, but with the long tails. Mm-hmm. And he would wear like a like a fedora hat, and he'd pull it over one eye because he thought it made him look more suspicious. <laughs> so he was real easy to spot. So as they start following his trail, they're like. Uh, like, yeah, a big guy that came from sea with a bag full of money. And yes, we did see him.
4: Carrying that EF hunting bag, you know, the <laughs> name of the ship that's all bloody right there. Like.
3: See, had he followed his first mind, get his few licks and get out, he would have taken this lick, the first of the two big ones he needed, or few big ones, went but directly home to together. the wife, he would have been okay. But no, a string of <laughs> booze and hookers along the way.
1: Gets you caught every time. Every fucking time. He, uh, like, Frank. The tank, like once it hits your mouth, it's so good, you know. Like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna hit these couple of licks and go back to my family until you fucking pull that boat up on shore and it feels like old times. And Tom Stone ain't there, but you got this bag of money and you're like, you know it's what? True. Remember Mexico, 1839?
4: <laughs> Let's go do this shit, man. Well, when we referenced earlier in the episode, like, that, uh, you know, boats and hose, we all... It's mm-hmm. like the Scarface. Yeah, we all want to do it. And then what's his downfall? Boats and hoes. Like you said, if he would have just took that college fund, went back home to the old lady and son. Nope, you got to do it Big Willie style with the bag from the bank you <laughs> robbed, the sea bank you robbed. Like. Because if you're going to take the time, right, and throw off the... At this point, when we find the boat and it's got all the blood on it or the fingers minus the fingers, if you took the time to throw the axe away, to throw the bodies away, you can't really clean the blood. That's not. But when you get. When you turn back into the land shark, you should fucking at least put that shit in a different bag or something, you know? Like, he's just carrying the bag, like the sea bag. Like,
3: (laughs) first stop, buy a laundry bag. Well, you can afford to buy
4: a suitcase, briefcase, (laughs) whatever it may be in 1850. I don't know what the. fashion style is for the aristocrat back then, but, like, not... So, not not
1: marching down the street like a dummy with your bag of money, <laughs> like Scrooge McDuck and shit, like... But then having... This...
4: Like, you're this piece of shit, you know? Like, if you killed these guys, chopped the kid's head off and shit. But you're so subconsciously when you're in the bar like i'm buying around for every like no you kill children man. Get the fuck out of here i don't want to drink from you you just killed two brothers bro <laughs> no but
1: i mean happy hours every hour and it's on me like hey fuck you so he leaves new york he takes his wife and his kid he ends up getting caught outside in a boarding house in providence rhode island they surrounded the house in the middle of the night they took him captive in bed without a fight when they found him he had captain burr's watch money bags, and a dogger-type photo of one of the Smith or the Watts brothers' girlfriend. Now, this trial was like the first sensation trial of the press. You know what I mean? It was daily news. Everybody was following him as this giant big deal. And the physical evidence was overwhelming. The whole time, Albert Hicks was real cool about it. Everybody just said he was always real cavalier. Like, it seemed like he basically just always thought he was going to get away with it. And, and the real thing was, even though it was overwhelming evidence, it was no body, no murder. Mm. You know, so he thought, worst case scenario, I can get caught for robbery. You know, I've done time in Wahoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could do three years on <laughs> Multiple my Multiple seasons in Wahoo.
4: <laughs> But the fingers, are, then, are those going to constitute as a body-ish type
1: deal? What happened is the defense finally says at some point, okay, if we for sure can't get him for murder, it was still a crime that occurred out in the sea and they tried him for piracy. Piracy at that time was a capital offense. Now, it was a weird law because this is 1860. You know mm. what I mean? Like we haven't... We're just about to have the Civil War and we're pretty much out of the pirating age. We should right. be out of the... They dusted off an old rule and said, you know what, let's charge him for piracy. It's a capital offense. And that his defense attorney kind of argued that Wait a minute. This wasn't the high seas. This was local. And the judge officially said, like that. It was like my cousin Vinny, like, you know what? That's a well stated argument. <laughs> that's a good point. Overruled. He's a pirate. We're going to kill Albert Hicks. <laughs> so it said that the jury took seven minutes to deliberate. They gave him the infamous old timey, they used to legitimately say it when they sentenced him hang by the neck until death. Yeah. After he was found guilty and knew he was going to hang, like, his whole demeanor changed, and he was less cool and fun and cavalier about it. Mm -hmm. What he did agree to do was give a confession under the grounds that if they would release it, that any proceeds would go to his wife and kids. He had also, at some point, there was some kind of, like, settler's rights thing. Where he had found a, a yacht back when he was pirating up and down the coast that he had some kind of like ownership rights in. And he asked for that money to be sent to his wife and kids too. But he gave a full confession. What he confessed is that when he was in solitary confinement, that he was possessed by the devil and that the devil made him do it. And then after he killed those guys on the A.E. Johnson and got back to shore, that he felt like the devil left him and he was better now. And he asked if that he could, uh, if he turned to Jesus, if he, if (laughs) It would have been too late. (laughs) Yes.
3: Now, I'm not in this confession going to talk about any of the other bodies that may be out there. Yeah. But what I can tell you is those individuals, after killing them, I found Jesus. (laughs) And I think you all should give me a second chance.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That is. Okay. So we still hear that. It's just so nice to know that in 1860, like, so there's a lot of things you could say, Oh, this person was the first one to run away in a car. This is the mm-hmm. first guy to this. He could have been the first guy to be like, uh, how about if I convert? I, I'm, I'm glad I went to prison. I found mm-hmm. God there. Like, No, you didn't.
3: <laughs> I want to play. The, uh, I heard this new thing called temporary insanity. I want to plead that. And then Jesus, um, what happened? I got baptized and it took the
1: demons out. I'm all cured now. Will that work? No. Okay. Let's <laughs> think of something else. Okay. <laughs> The the outfit he was wearing became so famous through the newspaper articles that after he was convicted, but before he was hung, P.T. Barnum arranged a meeting with him. P.T. Barnum gave his wife and kid $25, and he gave Albert Hicks two five-cent packs of cigars for the clothes that he was wearing Mm -hmm. during the the murder or whatever. P.T. Barnum
4: had that that tailed suit. Like If you see any photos of him, he's wearing that thing that you said that this guy had Mm -hmm. on. The, the coat with the two tails type deal. That's well, what P.T. Barnum was known for.
1: Like. Well, he he patterned his outfit out of it. But what he did, he had the actual outfit that Elbert Hicks wore. He made like a wax statue that he decorated and he had like an Albert Hicks poem or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for Tour a long around. time, he, he toured it around and then he put it into his famous museum or whatever as the most notorious man ever, or the the most terrible man ever or whatever. But he had the Albert Hicks out murder outfit. Nice. In the P.T. Barnum history for a long time.
3: Yeah, Barnum was definitely a character, so I, yeah. I, I could imagine he probably did even more with it. Knowing him, he probably made somebody put the outfit on and spread a rumor that <laughs> Albert had got out and was walking down the street. And, and that's he, all to make, <laughs> That's all just to make an extra buck.
4: Right. P.T. Pro- Barnum probably put that thing on when he raped midgets or whatever he did in his spare time. Like
1: On Friday, July 13th, 1860, Albert Hicks was set to hang on Bedloe's Island. Now, Bedloe's Island is now known as Liberty Island. It's the island. Little
4: statues there.
1: Yeah, we might have heard of it. That was Bedloe Island. So they set him up to be hanged there on the day he was set to be hanged, 20,000 people came to watch him hang. 8,000 sat on ba- Bedloe Island. 12,000 were watching out on boats. It was like the go-to event. Mm-hmm. Like, so you could see, like, they had the big steamer ships and the, you know, all the big boats. Everybody was getting tickets to get front row seats to go watch. There was
4: watch. no firework shows that, Jill. Friday the 13th, you know, it was like, I guess we're going to sail
3: on in to watch a hanging.
1: This was another first. This was the first, uh drive-in movie yeah (laughs) (laughs) down in front in order to be hanged in hicks had a suit custom made that was electric blue with gold buttons and anchors sewn into the sleeves to be hung in so he had it custom made which probably cost the whole 25 bucks that pt parnum gave his old lady so that's kind of bullshit when they asked him his last words he said hang me quick make haste Asking someone the last words before you hang them is like interviewing a guy after they just got knocked out or something. You know what I mean? You don't want to have You're that interview. to get a
2: sloppy response. <laughs> it's going to be ugly.
1: Right. You're fucking about to hang me, dude.
4: If it's good-hearted, if it's I'm sorry, all that, it really don't matter. And if it's just dumb like that, like, just hurry up and get it. You know, your last words don't really mean shit. At that point, it's like your last meal. Like... I, I want to flame me on. Just give me some ramen noodles or I won't eat. I'm dying <laughs> Just in 12 give me hours. Some ramen. I'm fucking, you know what I mean? What's, what I'm going to be, go out on a full stomach with a, a cleansed palate, nicely fucking, all the taste of things I'm going to not remember in 12 hours going to be, oh yeah, fucking dead. <laughs> Let's fucking do it to it, please. Just wrap this up,
2: dude. You're fucking gonna hang. <laughs> Any last words, Actually, Yeah, I'd like to. All right, oh, no, sorry. Nope. <laughs>
1: one One more hooker, one more night of drinking. I want one more night at the casino, just me and Tom Stone mm-hmm. and all the hookers we can fucking.
3: see. That should be a real last request and shouldn't be. Yeah, what's your last, last meal? words? Uh, some pussy. What do you want? Period. You get something for an hour. What do you want? Uh, Boats and hoes. Boats okay. and hoes.
2: We, we and a bowl of Cheetos.
1: <laughs> so after he was hung, right at, within three days of his burial, grave robbers stole his body. It was real common at the time because right in the area, what is now Columbia University, was a medical college that they always needed cadavers. So they would pay cash money for cadavers for the students to work on. They were grave robbing, but not for the reasons you would think. Like, a lot of people were grave robbing to try and get the stuff. You could actually sell the bodies in New York at that time. Mm. You'll hear, like, oh, it was because of this, or he never really died, blah, blah. Like, no, a lot of bodies got dug up and sold at that time.
4: And a lot did end up in the Columbia University medical trade, but a lot, like... You take your little son to P.T.
3: Barnum like,
4: hey, dad, who's that blue suit mummy right there?
3: (laughs) Don't ask. Don't ask. (laughs) P.T. fucking dug this motherfucker up. That's not a wax statue. That's the real man embalmed.
4: (laughs) The most evil man I ever dug up is right before your eyes.
1: For a small price of $5, come gaze upon him. like Albert Hicks, he was the last man publicly executed in New York, and he was the last American hung for piracy. That used to be a thing. You used to get hung for piracy. They, they slipped
3: that one right in on the tail end. Like, you know what? I think this is the last time we're going to have to be able to use this law. Let's right. use it now.
4: <laughs> but let's Perfect bank time. on it. Let's have 20,000 boats pulled up. Let's fucking do a big style right before they put this big copper statue here.
1: Let's do it on the island. You know. Now, Albert Hicks, he's kind of credited as he's the bridge between... We know gangsters nowadays. So a a criminal nowadays, someone that's out living a criminal life is a gangster. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? At this time, that wasn't a thing. Before this, someone that was living that life would be a pirate or a highwayman. Mm -hmm. A highwayman was the same thing, but on land. On land, yeah. Right. So you'd be one of those two things. In the late 1800s, you could start being a gangster or an outlaw. At this time, there was kind of no reference for that, because there wasn't people kind of doing that thing. Even the gangs at the time, what would technically be a gangster, like I said, they were fighting over, we don't want no fucking Catholics in New York. Like, that was a thing. Like, they could fight Catholics. Or, you know, like you said, Tammany Hall, Boss Tweed said, we got to come down here and fist fight. And, you know, they show up with their top hats and punch each other. Like, so there was no reference. And well-dressed threads with buttons. Like... Albert Hicks is kind of the bridge between the old school criminals and the new school gangster. He kind of had the look. He was the first guy that was doing it for money as opposed to for random reasons. John reason.
4: Gotti-esque with the looking good and caring about his suits
1: and like not really trying to lay low. Now he is referenced in the in the book Gangs of New York, not the movie. But if you would read the book Gangs of New York, so Albert Hook Hicks is referenced in there, and they spin a different story where he's kind of like this Robin Hood type guy. And their story is that he had a wife and kid and was trying to leave the criminal life and got shanghaied. And then next thing you know, he's out on this boat and these evil, this evil captain and these two little kids are going to make him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Be a fucking uh, a hard worker all the way to Virginia, mm-hmm. apparently. But in re and that's why he kind of lost it and killed. But in reality, like, no, he was just a scumbag. <laughs> and that looked like the easiest target he could find. But yeah, book that tells that story where they like, yeah, get poor Albert Hicks got fucking poor guy picked on by these guys and had to chop them all up with axes. I believe it. That's not what happened. Poor Albert.
0: So say good night to the bad guy. Come on. The last time you're gonna see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you.
1: There could be like a Albert Hicks movie that they're working on.
2: Inspired by Say Hello to the Bad Guy.
1: Yes. So when that happens <laughs> don't don't call the guy that wrote the book tough jews and think that he put elbert hicks out there no it was for sure us yeah. <laughs> you could write all the books you want we did this podcast in my That's basement right. put it on the map if we were going to try and cast this movie right now who would you have play Albert hicks
2: i'm thinking uh kevin duran from uh standing tall and x-men he's like the bad dude that ran the casino
1: and- it-
4: you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I'm going
3: to my Googles.
4: Um, did he play uh in X-Men? Did it was he yeah. the Beast? Mm, no. Who no, was he in X-Men?
2: Like the one dude that was messing with Wolverine.
1: Okay, okay.
2: I don't know his name in X-Men. I
1: I actually thought this might be yeah that guy from Walking Tall. He's a oh Walking Tall. I said Standing Tall. Yeah walking tall i know who you're talking Ooh, that about guy. he was in mystery alaska he played thor and oh, vikings yeah
4: i know who you're talking about the mystery alaska guy okay but uh st- he's a big guy and uh sticking with the gangs of new york i'm gonna go daniel day lewis
1: daniel day lewis
4: because yeah. at that time like with like daniel day lewis was a big guy and in the gangs of new york all the people look like that so if this guy has a squared chin chiseled face or a big thick mustache or uh this is eighteen twenty to eighteen fifty, so you're not gonna get you know, he's not gonna be a Channing Tatum type I'm that
2: if you uh yeah, want he, to stick with the gangs in New York but also follow the boat boat and hose track, you can go John C O'Reilly. <laughs> well, yeah, but this guy like he he didn't
4: say he's as good looking as Garnier or anything, but like he's better looking, he's bit he's gotta be physically fit, you know what I mean?
1: that uh kevin durand he's one of those guys he's one of those character actors that pops up in all these different roles and you don't know like once you know who he is you're like oh Oh, that guy you see him in everything yeah yeah so i'm drawing He's good with accents too
2: yeah wait
1: just pick a guy out of a hat Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. I, I have no idea. Well, and for you, we did decide in advance that at this point we're no longer asking you to pick actors. You are allowed to just... Which athlete do you know that... Oh, I did realize... Okay. On a rewatch, though, you don't watch movies. One mm. movie you have seen—you've seen, you've seen mm. Tombstone. Yes. And you've seen Young Guns. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> uh, doing the editing on a rewatch, all the movies I mentioned—those are two movies that you—you've you, been on a handful of uh, podcasts. You've referenced you—you've referenced Tombstone three times. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes.
3: Yes. Probably it's one of my favorite movies, but yeah, probably cause I just don't watch many movies, but yeah.
1: So this is another first for the bad guy podcast. This guy is too old. We don't have a real picture. So what we have is the fucking news drawings that they put out. At the end of the day, anybody we picked could be the guy because we don't have an accurate picture. What we have is a couple drawings of just a well-dressed, well-dressed guy that looks a little bit shady kind of has a Abe
4: Lincoln without so much facial hair look like he doesn't look like any actors I think
1: of well I th- I thought like Ben Affleck he could I mean he's kind of tall he's like a tall good-looking dude but he looks like he could uh, like you se- you know in the town he could be a little rugged yeah. you know he could be rough if you had to like like a gangster but a persuasive gangster like a gangster that you almost want to fucking you know what I could take over this boat with you Ben Affleck we could just burn this boat with these motherfuckers in it. <laughs> you said Kevin Durant. Who did you say? I said uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis? Well, I think Daniel Day-Lewis actually quit acting to become like a cobbler or something like that. And make <laughs> make handmade leather shoes or something. So he uh, probably would be good to play Albert Hicks because clearly they're both fucking weirdos. Yes. <laughs> but due to lack of availability, I guess we'll uh, we go with Kevin Durant. Like, I think he could pull that ro- role off. See, if I was an
3: actor and I had made a lot of money and I was tired of dealing with Hollywood, I would be that same weirdo. It's like I got enough money. What can I do just to pass time? Ah, make handmade leather shoes. That's great. <laughs> I'll even sew them myself.
1: Yeah, great job. Now we got to do the DefCon scale. So the standard DefCon scale is five to one, one being the highest, five being the lowest. But on the the Bad Guy Podcast, there's no there's no good guys. So five is Lee Murray. You're Kinda of your crack dealing, kidnapping, armed robber. And on the other end of the scale, you got the Purple Gang, who has multiple massacres, multiple wars, and killing cops in the street. On a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Elbert Hicks?
3: I'm gonna say I would, um, I would put him up there pretty high. And the reason why I, I'm debating on the number. I'm thinking two. But the reason for it is most of his, especially once he started killing, it wasn't even like it was like rival gangs or anything or people that was kind of in that world. It was a lot of, for the most part, innocent people. Mm -hmm. And he won all these sprees all over the country. So yeah, the robbing wasn't that bad, but once he got into the killing, it sounds like he has a lot of bodies and these are just the ones that we know of. So it's likely more bodies and some of the murders being very brutal, the axe thing, brutal, the burning, brutal, you know? So um, I'm leaning toward about a two on this guy.
1: You know, I, I do think that's a good call. When you decide to have an axe fight with a bunch of people, that's probably not the first time
2: exactly you, like
1: the second you decided i could take this whole crew mm-hmm. you know what i mean you probably have been doing some dirty shit out there
2: i'm gonna go with the three i was leaning towards a two but i feel like he didn't i was gonna say make that big of a name for himself but i guess he kind of did with the axe murder and the ghost boat but uh for the most part like he did like shady stuff but he wasn't like a big crime guy but he also he was pretty smart with everything he did and he, like the fact he would, like well, I can manipulate people, so check this out. Like, it was interesting. I'm gonna go with the three, though. Stick right in the middle.
4: Mine's a solid two, for sure. Just because he would've went one, because he's a bad enough guy, pretty shitty dude enough to go one. His body will work, but, like, there wasn't enough details within the shootout. Like, the wife had to go. Then burning like, DC said burning the dudes was pretty bad, but, like, the last one, which you got hung for, the the two kids, I'm sure, there was no compassion in it. Because the dudes that you burned, you, we could have just left them, like, sailing rudderless. And then the dude, the kids, like, there wasn't much that, that particular hit. You could have did that move, tied all three of them up, Mm -hmm. got away. Because once they found the bloody boat shortly after, the same amount of time it took you, you were already kind of out of there. You could have had the same buffer zone to get away, all that. You snuck up and hit the one kid. You know what I mean? I just, a solid two. And if you had a couple more bodies that we knew of, you'd be a one. So pretty shitty dude. It's not hard to get to two.
1: Okay, I could go with the two because, yeah, you had some ruthlessness and you had some body count. But a lot of those bodies, we see some of these other people, if you're killing other gangsters and stuff, this is at least somebody that's got a fighting opportunity. You know, you're killing Mark. Okay, serial killer, you're killing random people, but just for fun. It's at least still criminal if you're killing, yeah, they're innocent people, but you're still doing it for a profit. So it's not quite serial killer, but you're not killing, you're killing noncombatants, I guess is what you break it down to. So I think that brings you down a level. That's a mm-hmm. sissy fucking level. Like you said, yeah. like a family, a fucking couple little brothers and shit. Yeah. You're, and you're still sneaking them with an ax. <laughs> like that's fucking disgusting. And never accruing anything. Like, you know, you see some of these guys, they, I mean, for better or worse, they're making a life. You fucking, you did this for decades. And, you know, trotted the world and you're just out here fucking banging chicks and gambling it away. Like you had zero, you died with zero to show for it. You sold your fucking outfit for 25 bucks because you have (laughs) no fucking money and you've stolen so much shit from pillar to post across this world. Kind of crackhead-esque, just
4: replacing the crack part with bitches and alcohol, you know?
3: I would definitely agree. Looking at the just the sheer volume of the amount of money that he blew is, is insane.
4: Well, that's how the modern-day crackhead operates. Mm-hmm. He's going to go out tonight walking down the street, and he's going to If your laptop's left in your car, he's going to get that. Mm -hmm. But if a door's wide open, he might take a big screen TV. But whatever he booties, loots, and fences is all Mm -hmm. for tonight's smack, crack, or whatever his problem is. Mm -hmm. And then tomorrow, he's got to re-go out and rob. Now, these clown shoes in this story, doing the gold at one point, and the silver, they could have... Having a legitimate business as well. No gangster. Most people on the show don't have a bowling alley slash saloon that you could make Mm -hmm. enough off of in the part of the world you landed in and Mm -hmm. just legitimately have. So it wasn't even the money they're getting. It was just not being financially responsible and having a big moral compass. And like we said, the whole prison thing, wherever it came from, that's how you got there. That's like a math problem, showing the teacher how you got the answer. We don't care about how you got there. You got there. You're a fucking two. You're a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> so fuck you.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so we're going to settle on Defcon two.
4: Take it to Defcon two. You heard that gentleman? Defcon
1: two. All right. So now before we go, any of you guys got anything? No. Uh, good Good one.
3: Um, I like this one. It's a little bit different than some of the other ones I've been on. Um... It, I like the fact that it was older because uh, it gives a different perspective. As you said, crimes going on at different times, certain things that are our first. And uh, so I, I liked it because it was a different perspective than some of the other podcasts I've been on.
4: Pretty much. And just a parting goodbye like we do at the beginning, you know, like once again, Thanking Swain and local breweries, local chips, local money, just anything you do in life, you know, like the, you, there's made in Detroit clothing. there's made, And wherever you are, say you're in Lincoln, Nebraska or Santa Alto, California, wherever you are, keep it local, you know? Mm-hmm. And then with little shows like this, this is a mom and pop show. We're not a big corporation, you know. Maybe network with some of our fans in the comment section and see what a good local brewery is. And you're part of the, you know, your neck of the woods or whatever. But like, listen to local music, eat local,
2: keep it local. Bugs? Just a pleasure to be here. Like, we're going to show Hopefully, love to come back. Fuck yeah. All right. Well, yeah, go to
1: uh, Bad Guy Podcast on Instagram. And then we got the email. Say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. So I probably could have found something shorter, but I went with say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. It's amazing how much shit is not available. All right. Well, that's say hello to the bad guy. Thanks for coming and thanks for listening. Deuces.
0: was down bad. my mama had to be dad. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on the raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jokes, a hundred scams. Ay, ay. So out of money grabbed a hundred hams. Out so of money, grabbed a bunch of <coughs> And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the misdemeanor. So fuck yeah, a yeah, judge yeah. with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental, ay. And I still keep it homie, run and tell your big homie. First you meet your dead homie, Ayy. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. Last Ayy. Last Ayy. I like my money at a fast pass. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. I just did the dash, hey, in the fast lane Let my money at a fast pace, look like I like drag race Control up in my ashtray, I'm on my bag, yeah hey, Good girl, bad face, slim no waist and her ass fake hey, And she in love with the bad guy hey, But bad bitches never act right hey, She act up until that bag fly Did a turn around in one night